everyone. Welcome to Coach Out Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And here's what we've got lined up for you this week. Where coaches have been in a certain environment or a certain club for so long, and they've, they're either the ones that are most considered to be the most experienced, whether that is based on number of years, um, or maybe they've got the highest qualification in the environment. That sometimes the other coaches coming into the environment don't often want to challenge them either, um, and that can create a bit of conflict. So I think you know the biggest thing that I've picked up over my years is actually you no, know, you've got to get around other coaches, and not just coaches that think like you, but coaches that don't think like you. Can you watch the game? Can you identify the needs and the uh, and the and the areas for development within the game? And then can you coach that? Now you can't control that. You can't control that, and it doesn't mean let the game be the teacher either, because I think that's nonsense. Coach help is here to help you. Do you want guidance on your own personal development? Do you want to reflect better? Coach Help primary focus is to help teachers, practitioners and coaches to do that. Get in touch today to set up a free consultation and ask any questions. You can follow us on Twitter at CoachHelp3 or email us at CoachHelp123 at gmail.com. Um, hi, Yas. Thanks for joining us on the Coach Help podcast. Um, really good to get you on and again, um, just to kind of repay the favour uh, in terms of me coming on yours and we had some good chats before just be, be good to catch up with you mate Definitely, now Lewis, thanks for having me man how are you? All good, all good uh, like I said, um, I kind of teed up to you with you before around there's loads of stuff out there, what you're doing at the minute and again, I think the first part would be good for you to kind of say what you're doing at the minute and then I want to delve into kind of the why behind it so what are you up to right now mate? Yes, yeah, so similar to yourself, got the podcast, a uh, range of different pieces of content, working with um, clients in terms of mentoring uh, coaches through their journeys, working at different levels. Obviously got the podcast, you know, weekly conversations and discussions with different people within the game, whether not, not just coaches. I think it's really important for us as practitioners within the game, if you like, to have those insights from people around the different elements of the multiple disciplinary teams that exist within the game. Um, not just not the football, but beyond it as well. Um, and then obviously, away from that, I've got a weekly Twitter space, which I do with Gerard, yeah. um, around just unpacking range of different conversations, different questions that have been put to us over the weeks and months that we've been going. Um, so yeah, pretty much everything and anything around coach coach education, coach mentoring, coach development, really. Yeah, no, I see that. Like I said, I'd recommend people going to kind of look at your stuff and, and getting involved because again, the, the spaces is something I've picked up on now and again and when I've had the chance to be on, it's been good. And like you said, it's almost like a couple of clicks where you've gone, yeah, I've actually been thinking about that this week. And then you've done like a topic on it. So that's, that's worked well. It's almost like a bit of more of a bite-sized kind of content, isn't it? Definitely. I think the key thing for us is obviously, you know, we could be having these conversations, obviously, at, at, you know, for instance, now you're going to be driving key themes and key areas that you want to kind of look at and unpack. But at the same time, there's loads of stuff that we're going to unpack that, doesn't necessarily directly relate to every coach that's listened to it. What well, is some questions that are not even covered? So essentially the idea behind the space was that if people had any bespoke questions or individualised questions or thoughts or considerations that they wanted to kind of hear some different views and opinions on, it was an opportunity for them to do it and obviously engage with us throughout the conversation doing that as well. So it's been really, really positive, really interactive, you know, so, you know with different numbers each week, but um had some really good conversations on there and sometimes upwards of 200 people involved in the conversation which is fantastic yeah and i've seen that so like i said like i mentioned at the start that like kind of and again we we know each other briefly through like bits of chats and obviously the content and then be on each other's podcast before but i again i'll change I, I don't know you that well as a person i think a real big one that i don't see again and i've not kind of heard from yourself is like where did it actually like all start? And I'm going like before the coaching. Were you yeah. as a kid a footballer? Was what did that look like for you? Yes, like take um, it back to as, as young as yeah. you want. So I mean, to be honest, growing up, loved the game. Was a massive Man United fan. Um, and then you know, just like any of us, any any of us, kind of in in and around our generation, grew up playing on the streets, playing playground football, cage football, you name it. Um, and then. I guess really what it was is got to GCSEs and realised well, actually I've got to make a decision on what I want to do next. Um, and the honest answer was I didn't even know. I, all I knew is I didn't. I knew what I wanted 
but I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do. Um, and what I didn't want to do is, you know, be stuck behind a desk um, or doing any sort of retail job or anything like that. So went into college, did sports related qualifications at college. And then, the, you know, a lot of the people that are in and around my age group, people I went to school with, people that I knew just from the local area, um, quite a few of them went into coaching. Um, I never really kind of took it up at, the t- at that time, but a couple of years later, you know, it was almost like, well, I finished college now, what next? Um, again, still not really knowing where I wanted to go with it. Um, decided I was going to take my level one. Um, and that was it really, my Lewis. I haven't looked back since. I remember actually remember sitting there as if it was this morning, sitting on my level yeah. one and then walking to that room and I see the two shooters behind the desk. And I think to myself, I just, I just remember thinking, you guys are lucky, man. You guys get to teach people football. <laughs> Um, and I, that was it. And I, you know, at, at that time, I never really anticipated going down the journey I've gone down. But one thing I did know is, I don't know whether it would call it a, a goal of mine because I don't know if it was, but at that time, I actually said to myself, one day I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be teaching people football. Um, and then lo and behold, you know, over, over a decade, maybe 13, close to 14 years now, I've been, I've been working in the game different levels, working predominantly in coaching, obviously more recently spent the last few years in coach development. And it's something I'm really passionate about. And I guess for me, it was almost looking at coach development as a tool to have a greater impact than just being a coach. Yeah. The the way I always looked at it is, you know, I could deliver a course as an example when there'd be 24 people in that group um, who probably got 16 players each, or I might just have a group of 16 myself. So it was always about having an impact for me. And I think, you know, having that compounding impact of working with coaches, potentially influencing them and challenging them to become better. And then obviously having that subsequent impact on the players that they work with. Um, and then even generations beyond that, I think that, that was kind of what drew me towards the coach education side of thing more than anything else. Yeah. And was the, again, going back to start that, was there like a bit of a football career before that or was there like a point where you kind of crossed over? Not, not, not really. I mean, I played, played a little bit, uh, didn't really play in many many grassroots teams. I think I wasn't really weren't really too interested in playing in teams necessarily. I just love playing the game. So wherever, yeah. whenever I got the opportunity to play, I would play. Um, and obviously along the way, you know, you, you meet people, opportunities open up. And but I think in terms of being a player, I think probably you early on. This is I wasn't going to become a professional or anything like that. Um, and I, I, yeah, and it just it was just about you know ways to kind of utilize the game and the passion I had for the game to kind of just pursue anything in my life if you like and yeah, I think that's yeah. where I've kind of ended up now where football's essentially become a vehicle for me but reality is I think what I really enjoy about what I do is about being able to help others yeah whether that be achieve their goals or just help them improve in any way shape or form and football just happens to be the tool I went, or the vehicle on which in which I'm using to do that yeah and who sparked that so you go back to that level one course you're on mm. was there a particular tutor or a particular person on that course who you went I really like what they do. There's a manner about them or again, was there some sort of mentor that kind of brought you through it? Um, no, do you know what, to be honest with you, I think at that point it was just, I was so driven to not want to, like I said, be working behind a desk or in an office or anywhere that it was almost like, what, what can I do with this football thing? Started coaching, um, you know, I was very enthusiastic, really driven at the start of it, really motivated to kind of continue developing and get around other coaches. Watch, you know, as we all do when we first start, we go around watching other coaches or we, whether we're watching YouTube or reading books. And um, I think as time gone, I, you know, I probably didn't have any major influences in that re- in that respect early on. But I think certainly as the years have gone on, that's, you know, there's that's definitely people that I can kind of think about that have had some sort of impact me on impact on me in that respect and made me think and challenge me in different ways to kind of really make me want to be better for myself. And then obviously, you know, the subsequent impact of that is obviously I'm able to have a bigger impact on anyone else that I come into touch with, if you like. Yeah. And who are them influences kind of more recently? Yeah. I mean, uh, one in particular, you know, probably started off as uh, I'd say a line manager, then it became a mentor and now he's probably more of a friend. Um, good friend of mine, Peter Augustine. He works for the FA at the moment. Does a lot of stuff in the, you know, in the in the grassroots communities. He, you know, previously was a county coach developer, and over the years, we've, you know, our relationships kind of grown a lot. Um, where you know we've we've had some difficult, challenging conversations around different aspects of my own development, and you know, the opportunities that exist within the game and things like that. And it's just, I think the one key message that he's always kind of um, lent to me, if you like, is. It's all about having a body of work. 
whether that be as a coach, whether it be as a coach developer, you've got to be able to kind of uh, culminate different experiences, bring them together and really package them in a way where they make it unique to yourself. Um, and essentially, you know, preparing yourself in a way where that is your unique selling point, if you like. I think one of the things that I see, especially in the, I don't want to say the modern day coaches, but the younger coaches or the newer coaches coming through the system now, they think is as simple as, right, I'm going to get my level one, get my level two, get my UA for B and I'll work my way up to the UA for A. And then there's a career sitting on the end of it. And you and I both know that's not the case. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you don't want to burst their bubble, but I think, you know, conversations like that with Pete um, have really helped me understand how to maybe make the best of a bad situation sometimes and maybe create a lane for myself. Yeah. And again, I think you've done that really well because like going back to that, it's, it's interesting you said that about kind of the younger generation or people coming through around. Some people could say, oh, I've had 15 years coaching experience, but I always ask how many sessions have you done a week for them 15 years? Is it you do a session every Sunday or are you coaching like daily two sessions a day and, you, and you're doing the, the soccer schools, the school sports, multi-sports, you're doing your sport, you're doing academy stuff. Because again, like, I always, everyone's got that thirst to get to kind of top, the actual bottom end of like dealing with 35 school kids in a in a school hall is just as just as rewarding, but also just as challenging in terms of how to manage stuff. Mm. I, th- I think I think for me it's more, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing, it's a great point to make, obviously, over the 15, you know, you can have 15 years experience, but, you know, I think when people ask me, right, you know, what, what was my journey like? And when did I, you know, when did I, one of the things I always kind of lean back on is my biggest, uh, if you like, my biggest development curve and my learning curve came during a particular period of time where over the course of 18 months, I was literally on the grass 30 hours a week, right? I was on the grass 30 hours a week across different environments. And now, you know, it's, it's like that age old saying, right? You know, you can have 15 years of experience, but is it 15 years of one or is it one times 15 over, over if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you getting a range of experiences or are you just doing the same thing week in, week out? And I think the problem with, again, another challenge a lot of coaches have coming in when they're first, you know, maybe new into it or maybe they've been in, they haven't really, if you're like broken away from their own environments to kind of really extend, extend themselves and challenge themselves further is that if you don't know what else is being done out there, then you're always you're always kind of coaching within a cave. What I mean by that is you just, you know, you're just in your own bubble. Um, and sometimes what you often see, especially in grassroots environments, is where coaches have been in certain environment or certain club for so long. And if they're either the ones that are most considered to be the most experienced, whether that is based on number of years, um, or maybe they've got the highest qualification in the environment that sometimes the other coaches coming into the environment don't often want to challenge them either. Um, and that can create a bit of conflict. So I think, you know, the biggest thing that I've, picked up over my ears is actually no you've got to get around other coaches and not just coaches that think like you but coaches that don't think like you and I think that's just as important because you could you could be working towards the same goal but have very two you know two very different ways of doing it just by engaging with coaches that are very different to you so I think that that piece is really important as well and having those experiences I think I, I always go back to this and always it's always a, a thought of mine especially when we're coming towards coach education in particular when we're talking about you know put your you know, you've been through it you would give you an action plan and say go away and do xyz and tick you know do this and whatever that might be and go and observe experienced coaches but if i'm not experienced what do i know what do i you know what, what where's my measurement of what experienced coaching looks like is it based on the number of years is it based on a particular environment so you know the one kind of bit of advice i'll give to all coaches all the time is what do you want to become as a coach what kind of coach do you want to become and who who do you know that does that well Right, because that's where you're going to have to go to pick up those messages. You can't. It's not as simple as, you know. Oh yeah, I've gone and, and I'm shadowing a B license coach. Okay, brilliant. But is he any good? Is she any good? I don't know. It's subjective, right? But if they are any good, what you need to be able to clarify for yourself what they're actually good at, and that should be the reason why you're going to observe them in that capacity. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because again, I'm I'm massive on my own CPD when I get the opportunity to do it, and I think feel like I don't know if it's something you might encourage to your mentees and stuff, but when I go in and say I go into Club A and do a CPD visit for myself, I pick two or three things maybe off my own action plan because I I kind of try and look at every six months, so Christmas, end of season, keep going through it, but I I try and plan 
what I want to find when I go, rather than, like I said, typical people will go, watch a coach and go, that's good, that's good, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then they take away and go, whereas I, I go, I kind of still, that selfishness in my own personal realm, I kind of link it to me all the time. I mean, I, th- I think I think it's a great thing to do, but I think I think the kind of thing before that is, obviously, you know, you've identified what the areas are that you want to work on. Um, I think even when you're going through that process is why do you want to work on those areas? Are those areas yeah. that, you're, that you're maybe lacking in or those areas that are your strengths already? Because I think one of the things I, you know, I, I say to a lot of coaches, you know, whatever your strengths are, you've got to build your coaching craft on that. No, don't try and be the best tactician in the world if that's not your thing. If you know, go what, what's your go-to thing? And some, some people, you know, I was speaking to a coach just yesterday as an example. You know, one of the things that he he's really good at is building relationships. Right, brilliant. If that if that's if that's your you know your go-to thing, build your relationships and layer everything else on top of that. Yeah. Don't you know neglect your strengths in order to develop the areas that you're not you're not you don't think you're as great at. And I think. Once you've identified what the strengths and areas for development are, you've also then got to ask yourself, you know, like I said a few moments ago, I'm not going into Club X just to see what Club X do. Yeah. I'm not going to watch Coach, you know, Coach Y because that's what Coach Y does. I want to go there and know that actually, this is my individual development plan. Like you said, you've got your, you know, you've got your own development plan. If it's, I don't know, if it is building relationships, as an example, are you going to observe a coach who's known for that? Because that's what you're going to, want to pick up, you know, rather than just go in and have a general observation where you kind of you get a lot of breadth, maybe no depth around what what's actually happening. Um, if you're going to go on a study visit of any sort, maybe have some key questions. What what is it that you actually want to find out? You know, I spoke to someone recently. I'm going, you know, again similar to yourself, and I'm going into different clubs doing study visits and you know just getting exposure to different environments and seeing what takes place. And one of the key things I'm really looking at at the moment is how each club may or may not go about developing their coaches. What does the coach development program look like in those clubs? How does that work? Um, is there a formal structure? Is there not a formal structure? Is it just ad hoc? And is it based on what the club want in alignment with what the individual needs? Or is it just based on what the club the club can offer based on what the individual wants, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I think, you know, really understanding the different processes that exist, not just in the environments that I'm, I'm working in, but in, in terms of the environments up and down the spectrum. And, you know, use a prime example of that, you know, a coach development program in an environment where it's, let's just say an academy that's built to design or designed to build and develop players for their first team, as opposed to an academy that's designed and built to develop players to sell on. Does the coach development processes look similar or, do, or they, are they very different based on that, that context, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting because there's... Again, it comes back to probably a bigger picture of like, do the academies, do the clubs actually know what we're going after? Um, which again, that, that's another conversation. Uh, but yeah, no, I see where you're coming from because for me, like, so going to kind of your mentor and stuff, yeah, I was like, you said obviously you're passionate about it. What is it that gets you kind of going? What is it the thing that you are unbelievably passionate about in terms of when you sit down with your a coach for the first time or you built a relationship over a couple of years what, why is it you do it yeah I mean to be honest with you I think like I said like I said from the top of the conversation I just wanted to be in a position where I'm having an impact and I think um, for me I've always wanted to help people for a brief period you know to be honest I've still got one or two people that I work with now um, went into the fitness industry alongside doing the coaching and it, it was almost like like I said, it's about helping people get to their goals or improve or develop around wherever their wherever their current journey starts. And I think for me, there's no one size fits all. And I think the beauty of it, you know, working in this space is that you've got so many people with so many different perspectives, opinions and, you know, different challenges in the way in which in which they kind of navigate themselves through that. So I think having the opportunity to kind of just really put into practice some of the learnings that I've picked up along the way. And they might work, they might not work, they might not work for everyone, but they might work for some. And I think it's just, I think the beauty of it is, it, it, one of the quotes that's always stuck with me that I've heard is, you know, if you, if you teach someone else something, you get to learn it twice. So I think it's not only helping me work to help and support other people, but actually it's helping me develop myself and understanding of, right, do these things work? Do they not work? If so, what kind of context do they work in? What are the challenges and the and kind of the the barriers for them to not work and things like that? So I think it's really unpacking and understanding 
for myself, like you said, you know, quite passionate about your own CPD. For me, it's very much the same. You know, in order for me to be, become a better coach, I need to have clarity on the messages then, and I guess the, the behaviours and the actions which I'm carrying out, which I see to be impactful and effective. And if I can get other coaches to, and other, you know, prospective coaches to kind of take on board some of this information, experience and the learnings that I've picked up and be able to apply them and also get some success from them, it just it just gives me more clarity and more confidence that actually what I'm doing is is right, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So what's been like the highlight or one or two of the best moments where there's been like a a light bulb moment in a coach when you've been working with them? Is there anything yeah. that like stands out in your head? Um that's a good question. I don't really know if there's any specific moments I can think of, but I think one of the things that I've picked up throughout my own journey that which which I found to be quite impactful with other coaches that I work with is I work a lot around using images. Okay. Um, I just I just remember going back to my to, to, to my UEFA B and my UEFA A kind of time when I was going through those qualifications there, and it was almost like, you know, with all due respect to the coach coach educators at the time, I didn't really feel that they were the best at explaining or really helping us as coaches understand what the message was or maybe it might have just been my personal perspective um so what i found myself doing in order to help myself understand everything was making everything into an image whether that be from the technical detail whether that be from the tactical information and things like that and, and, and then what i realized is i remember sitting down with one of my mates when i was doing my ua and he was asking me to just help him understand something that we'd been discussed or that we'd gone through. And I, I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was essentially, I just said, well, look, when, when we're thinking about X, Y, Z, I just, I just look at this image here. I just, this is what, just, and then when you break the image down, it's like, well, this is what this means. This is what this was. And everything which became an analogy and then realized that later on that actually this has become quite a powerful tool for me in coaching. So now as an example, you know, what can I think of, what's a common thing that coaches like to put like to coach and talk about all right we'll talk about scanning as an example uh, or receiving on the back foot with open body shape so one of the things that kind of stuck with me when I was thinking about you know picking up some of this information was the concept of a fish right and in my head I'm just seeing a picture of literally like Nemo right and it's like well what, what can Nemo see well Nemo can't see what's in front but he can see what's on on the side of him right so he's got, you know, and the information was almost like, yeah, you know, one eye, one eye of Nemo sees where the ball is coming from. One eye sees where the ball wants to go next or wherever he wants to take the ball. And, you know, just using that as a very basic example, being able to convert information into images just became such a powerful tool for me within my coaching. And when I started sharing that with other coaches, they were like, yeah, but it's so simple. Like you've made it so simple. And it's like, yeah, but it needs to be right. Um, now, if that helps you, great. But I've not really picked. I've not really put these images together or thought about it in a way that I want it to help you. I've just tried to help myself, yeah. and it's just then ended up being, a, you know, being a tool that I've kind of shared with other coaches in terms of, you know, you can come up with your own images or whatever, whatever relates to you in that respect. But the concept, the, the point of the, the point of the whole kind of, if you like, the exercise was is that there's no one right way of coaching, yeah. other than the way that helps your players understand it. Now, for me, that might be using images. For you, that might be telling a story or whatever that looks like. But whatever way works is the best way, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking of, like, probably a different way where I'm, like, on the ground a little bit more at the minute, like, coaching actual team. And with certain players, you might have them little silly analogies between you, but you both know exactly what it means because... Mm -hmm that was the light bulb moment where that player received on the back foot, but it was in a certain moment in a game where you remind them of that and it's like, bang, I've got it again. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, that, I think that's really interesting because, again, like, I know you're striving with your men mentor and stuff to be, like, top, top end. And again, is there anything you've nicked from other mentors that you've seen where you go, I'm going to use that technique? So you talk there about your Im imagery kind of thing there. Is there any little snippets you've took off mentors above you that has helped you, know, you and done? I'll use yeah, that. it's a really interesting question. You know what? I can't say there's anything specific that I've picked up off anyone, but what I, what I did find is 
on reflection and, and when I'm reviewing myself and some of the things that I do in, in terms of my own development and even in terms of supporting other coaches, actually a lot of these things that I'm doing are actually already things that people other people are doing as well. Yeah, I've never really kind of researched it, picked up on it or anything like that. I think one thing that kind of... Um, I can't remember the guy's name now, but one thing that kind of really stuck with me was it's the one thing. It's all about the one thing. I think as coaches, we can get bogged down in trying to do too much. Um, we end up trying to do so much that we end up doing nothing. And it, it just becomes, like I said, it, there's not really any depth to anything that we do. So one of the things that kind of, especially coaches who are maybe earlier on in their journeys, possibly, it's the ability to narrow down and have one singular focus. Yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the things I've picked up. I've, I've got to remember the guy's name, you know, in the book that I read, but it wasn't even coaching related to be honest, but it, the message just hit me in a way where it's actually, this can be very transferable. And that's definitely helped me massively, not in, in my own development, but even in terms of supporting other coaches in terms of, you know, you see it, you see, you've, you've probably seen it many times before yourself, Lou, in, when coaches are delivering sessions and they're, you know, they're not clear on what the theme is, they end up coaching everything and anything that takes place within the session. And it actually just dilutes the quality or the, or the level of information that they go into. Um, so it's almost, it's that, you know, the, the concept was basically pick one thing and just focus on that. Don't focus yeah. on anything else. If anything else happens in your session, you might want to bank it for later, but unless it's causing a breakdown to the one thing that you've set out to do, it's not relevant right now. And I think that's probably one of the biggest messages that I can give to coaches as well in that just keep it, keep it focused, keep it, you know, almost be tunneled visioned around what the focus is and don't focus on anything else. Cause that, that will allow you to get to the heart of that. I don't want to call it a problem, but that key area that you're looking at. No, I, I agree. Cause like, like I said, I've been a bit of a different role this year. I'm like managing staff as well. And, to get people on the same page and say we've had two or three issues that we want to develop in the players or in the environment. I'm working back in my head and with other staff to go, like, what's the one thing we can nail every day, which will probably have a knock-on effect and develop all this. Like mm. I read, a, I read a book recently called Habit, and they talked about there was a there's a part of it where it goes. It's a very, very much a sports book, but it talks that there's a chapter where he goes into detail around a guy goes into an organisation as a new CEO, the company is losing money and the one thing he sees is, well, we our company has the most amount of sick days in the country in terms of staff. So then he went, right, why, why is the sick days, right? Um, the hygiene and cleanliness of the building isn't good enough. So his one thing was clean the building. And the fact that it was cleaner, more people at work, and then you end up being this multi-billion pound company. I was like, it just makes you think, again, when we're going to go into like the IDP stuff in a minute, but players have these IDPs. It's like work on scanning, receiving, shooting, passing, everything. But then you go, well, what's the one thing? Because we did something recently where the group I was working with wasn't pressing intensely enough. And I felt like we got into that mode of the more we said it to the players, me, the analyst, whoever. It's almost that thing of like your parents tell you to do something, you just don't do it. So to fair, I think it was yes and see you went, well, why don't we give them a target of they've got to hit 8K high speed running the game. Half time of that game, the players came and changed is going, have we hit the target yet? And you're like, you've almost changed your mentality without going press or run around. And it's really interesting. Um and like you say, coming back to like creating a pit, building a picture, little kind of subliminal message, I thought it was really interesting. Mm. I, th I think I think I think it's a great point because I think what you what you tend to find is, and what I find is, with coaches, with players, and you, you, you yourself being a coach and being a mentor with other coaches and things like that, it's not about how it's not about what the message is; it's about how it lands, mm. right? You'll say things in your own way, I'll say things in my own way or present in our own ways, but it's like I said at the start, coaching is right when it's done, when it, when the message has been understood, right? When it works, when it's had the desired impact, that's when it's that's when it's done right. It doesn't matter what the process is at the end of the day. And it's like with players, one of the biggest things I think having this conversation with a coach yesterday is oh yeah, I want my players to play like this. Why? Does it matter how they play? 
or does it matter that they get to the outcomes that you've set for them? Because if they've come up with their own way of doing it, guess what? You've now got another way of doing it yourself. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest things I picked up. I remember, I just remember this one experience, you know, about six, seven years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that. I was working as a goalkeeping coach at the time, um, did a goalkeeping session. And what I remember is I had about, I think it was seven goalkeepers from six different nations or five different nations, right? Two born and bred UK English boys, well, born in England, but, they, you know, they were, they were, they were foreigners themselves. Um, had one, two from Eastern Europe, one from Spain or something like that. And I think I had one from, oh God, one from Jamaica. Like born and bred Jamaican, like full on, and I just remember that going into that session, I had a clear idea of what I wanted in terms of the outcome, but I also had a clear idea in terms of the process that I wanted them to follow. And midway through the session, I was almost battling with myself because they weren't doing what I wanted, but they were getting the outcome that had set. And it was almost like, right, what's going on here? Something's not quite right. Um, and then when I looked at it, when I actually just took a step back and actually just watched what was happening, it was almost like, wow, okay. They're all getting the success that I've asked them to get, but they've done it in their own way. So rather than, you know, uh, letting my ego get in the way at the time and be like, no, nope, you've, got, you've got to change that. We've got to do it this way. We've got to do this way. I kind of said to myself, no, let me just take a step back and let me try and understand why they're using different techniques and what the techniques are allowing them to get away with. So, you know, as, as with anything, you know, I'll use, as an example, use ladders, right? You've got the agility ladders. Well, actually, those agility ladders are only going to be effective for certain people because we're all got different, different size feet, we're all different builds, we're all different, you know, whatever. So someone with a size 15 shoe might not even be able to fit in those ladders. All of a sudden, they become ineffective, right? So, you know, the method or the process or the technique is only as effective as the individual using it. And that's what it really started to teach me at the moment. Also, okay, cool. They've got these different techniques that these goalkeepers are using. They've all got different, um, you know, individual differences. So what, you know, what are the differences? Not only culturally, they might've had exposure to different goalkeeping coaches from depending on where they've come from and where those goalkeeping coaches may have come from and been influenced for. Um, they're at different, you know, different stages of their journey. Like I said, some of them were born and bred in the UK and England. Some of them are from, you know, some of them were born here, but maybe, have influences from elsewhere. Some of them weren't even born here. So I now started to challenge myself and think, okay, well, what are the cultural differences here? What could have been the individual differences here? Some of them were smaller, some of them were uh, taller, some of them were quicker, some of them were slower. So then it started to, you know, I started pairing certain actions or certain behaviours with the individual characteristics, whether that be technically, physically, psychologically. Um, and it, like I said, I've, I've gone into the session with one idea in my head of how it should look. And I've left that session with seven. And that was probably the biggest thing I picked up in that, you know, in that experience and coming back to what you were saying about that one thing. Well, that one thing, the most important part about that one thing is the outcome and not the process. The process will be dictated by whoever, whoever follows the, follow, whoever's trying to achieve the outcome, right? And, the, and how they perceive the outcome to look. But yeah. as long as the vision is clear on what the outcome is, it gives people the flexibility and the freedom to work towards that in a way that they see fit, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's you're right. And again, how how have they, you then used that going forwards? Well, I think one of the biggest things is now where I'm working with a lot of coaches. Yeah, in a, if we look at the coach education pathway as an example, now there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of debate about how effective or ineffective it is, or whether it's the right way or not. I think one of the things that it's allowed allowed us to get to is to a point where we've certainly got more opportunities for there to be creative coaches. We've certainly got more opportunities for there to be a flexible and adaptable type of coach, um, but also a range of styles of, of effective coaches, um, whether that be specialist in the foundation phase, working in the PDP, working in the YDP, whether it be specialist working in and out of possession or whatever that might look like. But we, there's, a, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility to, for coaches to go down a specialist pathway. And I think what, what that has allowed us to do is get to a point where we can have coaches rationalize why they're doing what they're doing and justify you know their practice I think the, I think how that's helped me is obviously now when I'm working with other coaches it's almost like here's the outcome for you this is what we're trying to achieve 
And, you know, if it's a mentee, so mentor-mentee type of relationship, then it's very much around, well, here's some considerations for you. If we, you know, I, I come back to that period of time where I said I had my major, major development curve. I was working with another coach who, who I was on the A license with. And we were very clear in our ideas of what we wanted to see in terms of the outcome. The way in which we went about it was very different. And I think at that point, it comes a situation where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So for as long as your process is working, I ain't got nothing I ain't got nothing to say to it. I might have some ideas around how we can further develop it. I might have some challenges in my head around how I might do it completely differently. But the bottom line is this, we're getting success. Let's not rock the boat. Let's keep it going in the right direction. Whereas now with coaches that I'm working with, and I think this is the one challenge, and I was speaking to someone about this yesterday, the challenge that the coach education system has given us is that coaches, in my opinion, have got to a point where they think just by just by being able to justify why, they, why they're doing what they're doing makes it okay. And I think there's a real, diff a, real, a real kind of danger there because it might be okay in terms of you being able to justify why you're doing certain things in your environment, but actually when it comes to them playing the game, we're now in the we're now in the real thing. Your justification don't matter here, <laughs> especially when you get to the top end and you're and you're and you're fighting for three points or whatever that might look like. You might have a justification as to why you want things to be do, done in that way, but actually the opportunity right now is you're in a, you're on a pitch, you're in a game, and the opposition aren't doing anything related to what you're trying to justify. That justification is going out the window, and I think it's having the being able to flex be flexible and adaptable to responding to what the game needs and rather than what your justification brings to you, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I I sat down with a manager that I worked with about four or five years ago and I just said, like, what would your biggest bit of advice be? And he just said, like, oh, some of it still comes down to luck in regards to you could have the best tactical plan in a game you've ever seen. Your players could apply it 100% of the game but the ball hits someone and goes in off someone's back like or vice versa your players could not do it and literally do their own thing and win the game 3-0 they said it's and this is like yeah, this is the I think I've gone through that process when I first started coaching as a kid was like the coaching's this like I want it to look like this it just doesn't look like that and again like sounds like you went through that kind of learning curve over 18 months where you were like this is complex, this is different, this changes abstract all the time. A hundred percent. I think I think I think but I think the other side of that is is as we develop in our journeys and develop our knowledge and our skill sets within coaching, I think or in the game in particular, we start to appreciate more of the variables that exist. But and this always brings me back to the conversation around unopposed versus opposed practice and, and, and where to kind of sit on that spectrum, right? It's you wanting to be you wanting things to be done in a particular way that's just your ego talking when actually what is the way that needs that it that it needs to be done and again a quote that's always stayed with me is if it's if it can be done easy then do it easy if it needs to be done hard then do it hard so you know, the, the, I guess the, the kind of the thinking and the, the lesson that I took away from that one, especially when working with coaches, is that unopposed practice will have its benefits, but the chances are a lot of coaches, in my opinion, even if they don't admit it, is they use that because it's easy to manage and it's it allows them to keep their ego on a platform because they're the ones in control. Right? But that's not how the game is played. Can you coach the game? Can you watch the game? Can you identify the needs and the uh, and the and the areas for development within the game? And then can you coach that? Now you can't control that. You can't control that, and it doesn't mean let the game be the teacher either, because I think that's nonsense. The game can't be the teacher. The game is just a facilitator for the for the learning environment. You as the coach need to drive the direction or the, drive the attention and the awareness of the players or the participants within your session to the outcomes. They need to be aware of them. You need to be able to, whether that's you explicitly outlining that this is what we're looking at, or whether that's you asking skillful and articulate questions in a way that leads them to that direction. 
I think that that's where that's where it comes in. And you know, you you, you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes it's about like you can do everything right based on your philosophy, but actually, when it came down to it, your philosophy didn't align with the needs of the game in that moment. You're so focused on trying to get your philosophy out that actually, yeah, it 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 wasn't what the game needed. So I think that that that's the part where you kind of need to have that flexibility, have some framework in place. And I think you can't have definitives as a coach. And that's, that's definitely one of the things I learned early on. And I think that comes a lot from like your delivery as well. So again, I'm even think as you're talking, I'm thinking of like little mistakes in my head that I've made this year. So prime example was you've done loads of coaching with defenders for the week where you like defend the width for the goal, defend the width for the goal. So we play a game where one of our Fullbacks gets beaten by a striker who's gone wide, and the two centre hearts because they've been told defend the whip for the goal, won't then now defend that scenario where it's actually the centre half got to go out and defend. And again, you start thinking about as that's happened and that mistake's happened. You watch your back analysis and go, have I delivered that in a way where I've gone do this at these these times, but allow freedom for like no, I think you've got a goal there. It's really just a conversation with the player because, again, we always think sometimes the players take it a little bit too literal. Then I always come back to, like, have I delivered that exactly how I should have done or have I come across as do this, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and I think it's a great point, Lou. Again, you know, you asked a question earlier around some of the some of the things I've picked up and this was something that which I kind of, more for myself, and if I go back to, you know, the, the idea of, you know, thinking about things in images and things like that, the, the one word that I kind of probably use more than anything else within my coaching is clarity. It's having clarity. And um, even now I'm working with a bunch of coaches, who, you know, in a particular, in, in one environment at the moment and the biggest message I kind of, I'm trying to get them to understand is you could say things in a perfect way, right? You can, you know, your English could be perfect. Your articulation could be perfect. Your, your, everything that you say could be perfect in your eyes. But it ain't perfect unless that's the head of person's understood it. Yeah. So the number one thing that I kind of push onto coaches is getting clarification around the understanding of what the players or the participants or your your colleagues or your peers or whoever you're communicating with has understood from what you said. So, you know, I operate on this kind of this principle within my coaching, which is the show and tell principle. There is never a situation where the coach can say something, or I say I can say something without checking understanding. And it's not checking understanding at the end of the session. It's checking understanding at each intervention, whether that be getting the place to demonstrate their understanding to me around what it is that I'm expecting to see, whether it's them relaying back to me and breaking it down verbally, which is not always necessary, uh, but because if they can demonstrate it physically and practically, then there's you know that's 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 all I need really. But anytime I make an intervention, anytime I ask a question, I need to make sure I've got that understanding and clarification that they've understood the message in the way in which I wanted it to land. Yeah, and then how do you manage like perception in that? Because if you've got, say, you've got a unit, you've got your back four, and they're all mm. firing information back at you, but your left back thinks something totally compared to right back based on their experience as a footballer and their coaching background in terms of the interest. We did a staff CPD recently where I asked every, even the head of operations, the S&C, everyone was in one room. We're like, what's playing out from the back? Because I was conscious, I did a session previously where I was like, this is what a session looks like. But then I went on to the pitch, my goalkeeper coach wasn't sure where I wanted the keeper to pass the ball. Yeah. So then now I do, like when we session plan, it's like, right, this is the, the topic. But what does that topic look like to everyone, including the players in the session? Yeah, I think I think that that's important. It is important. Um, you know, if we start by looking at it from, the, from a kind of the staff perspective, it is important that everyone understands what it looks like. Um, it's you know it's also important to recognise everyone's going to see it slightly differently. But I think the bottom line is this: if I'm the head coach, this is how I see it. This is how I want it done. Yeah. Oh yeah, you still have that. Like, yeah, going back, going back to the clarity um, thing, but, it's in, but I think it's something where maybe I didn't tie that bit up all together and go, yes, someone might throw a little bit of a different idea or a curveball, but then also go right, this is what we're yeah, going with. So I mean, for me, if I was working with players in that perspective and I'd say, right, this is what we're looking for. Um, the question I always ask is, what are some considerations you think we need to make on this? 
what what are some considerations? And I think that comes down to setting the environment as well, because you go into a lot of environments, especially with young players in particular, they don't, they're not really confident about sharing what they thought what their thoughts are and their feelings are around different things. I think you've got to kind of get to a point where they recognise actually you're genuinely just interested. You're genuinely just interested. Yeah. In so, you know, you've got your perspective. They understand your perspective. You've given them that, but you've also given them the platform to say, all right, do you think there's anything else that we might not have considered here? Yeah. Well, then I always start with, right, okay, if I'm bringing a topic into it as an example, playing out from the back, I'll say, right, okay, just just having a quick, you know, a quick conversation just shout out some some ideas for me around what you think playing at the back means. And I'll always start with that. Because if I know where they're starting their journey from and their perceptions are coming from, then I can always potentially lead them to where I am. If I give them my perception first, then the challenge is there is that they might close they might close in on some of the information which they might have shared prior. Yeah, that's um, point. Because because they, it's actually in their minds all of a sudden there's such there's such a distortion from where they thought it was to where I'm actually taking it. Whereas if I allow them to express themselves first and get their insights first, I can always take them on that journey towards where I want to go with it. Um, yeah. But also allows me at the same time to recognize, okay, how far off my perception is theirs? And is it that they've got the same perception, but maybe they just got less considerations around some of the things that which might impact on it. So I think that's probably the way I would, I would do it. I think it's definitely important to seek that information. But I think at the end of, end of the day, it's regardless of where their perceptions are coming from, it's important that the coach, no matter what it is that you're coaching, and I've, and I've had this, I've had this conversation with coaches before, where I've actually seen coaches say, "Oh, this is how we're going to do it." Player will say, "Why?" and the coach will be like, "Because this is what we're doing." So, <laughs> like, well, okay, player wants to know why because if if you're like me, as an example, you can't get me to do anything that I don't understand the reason behind. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, no, it's good. And like, so you got you've got me like really thinking now around a couple of things. Um, just to, just going to look at kind of tying up a bit now, yes, but just to put you on the spot as well. Um, like I said, gone through loads. Uh, as a coach, mentor now in the role that you see yourself in, what's the biggest mistake you've made? Um, good question. What's the biggest mistake I've made? I think on occasion. Probably been too honest too soon. What with uh, an individual coach that you're working with? Yeah, well, many individuals. Yeah, <laughs> individuals. Um, probably too honest too soon. Um, and I think on reflection, I don't think I don't think I think I think the it wasn't that we didn't get to the end goal that we needed to get to in the end, but I think in certain moments it probably took longer than needed because it was too honest too soon. Do you feel like they closed up a little bit on you? And... Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, I think, I think the the number one thing that you know, if any coaches are listening to this, if you've got a mentor, it, you you've got to recognise it only benefits them if if you if you develop. Otherwise, they're not that good at their, at their role. <laughs> um, so I think taking that on board, recognising that. I think as a coach, and this is the, one of the biggest messages I've, or one of the biggest lessons I've learned is if the players are doing it well, it's because they've done it really well. If they're not doing it well, it's because it's your fault. And I kind of live by that. Um, and I kind of, I try, I try and get coaches to kind of take on that same, same kind of responsibility and accountability for everything they do. Because even if they, the reality is, if you're doing what you need to be doing and you're doing it in a way that works, there won't be any mistakes anymore. Yeah. Right. To an extent, to an extent. However, that is for me, the only way you're actually going to become a much better coach and continually become a better coach where you, where you kind of, you're never taking credit for the work that's been done. Yeah. You're always looking for ways in which it can be your fault that it went wrong. So that those are the, those ways that you've identified where it's your fault that it's gone wrong are the ways that you can start to think about how you're going to develop those things. Um, and then kind of just continue sharpening yourself, you know, as, as a coach in, in any in any facet, whether that be your your on-field technical knowledge, whether that be your tactical knowledge, whether that be your ability to, you know, develop some of your soft skills and how you develop those relationships with individuals that you work with, whether it's even becoming a better listener. I think that's I think that's a real skill. A real skill for coaches that they need to kind of develop and think about recognizing that 
sometimes I shut up and listen, right? Because sometimes less is more. Listen to what the players have to say, understand where they're coming from. And you might realize that actually the two dots are right in front of you. All you need to do is connect them. Whereas if you start talking over and you start implementing information, imparting information first, and all of a sudden those dots become very distorted and very it becomes a bit of a grey area for the players. So I think it's even for a coach, you're sometimes just taking in what's happening. But yeah, I think the probably probably the biggest mistake is probably that, yeah, probably too honest too soon at times. Um and I say it's a mistake only only because not that it wasn't effective, but it just maybe slowed down the progress from A to B, if you like. Yeah. Nah, brilliant. Mate, just use this use this last couple of seconds as like um again, feel free to plug some of your bits. Let us know where we can find you. Let us know a bit more about your podcast and stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, you know, my name's Yas for anyone that you know didn't catch it at the start of the show. Um host of the Coaches Network podcast. Um, you know, first of all, massive thanks to you as, as well, Lou. Um, really appreciate obviously having me on. And you know, if anyone does want to get in touch, they can kind of find the podcast on all major platforms. It's the Coaches Network podcast. I'm on Twitter as well, at the Coaches Net, um, or on Instagram at the Coaches Network. And then, um, yeah, for anyone interested, obviously we've got the weekly spaces I talked about and we mentioned earlier around any conversations which coaches want to jump in and get involved in. There's loads of coaches, great way to network. Um, and hopefully, just you know, we can both continue doing what we're doing and have a massive impact in this coach development world. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, no, like I said, from my point as well, get get yourself on the spaces as well. They're, they're really good. On a Sunday, aren't they usually around? Yeah, so we've got yeah every Sunday at eight pm typically. Yeah. Um, we're pretty we're quite consistent most weeks. Um, there's only one or two occasions where we haven't kind of been been there, but um, yeah, most weeks we're there. And obviously, if anyone's got any particular questions they want to get in touch with, then feel free to do so. No, perfect. Yes, cheers for cheers for coming on. Appreciate it, mate. No, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot.